of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Thank you for joining me today. We have, after today, uh, two psalms left to conclude the psalm project. And we are here today in Psalm 148. Psalm 148, also like Psalm 147, not attributed to a particular author. In fact, the rest of the psalms including 149 and 150, are not attributed to any particular author. Psalm 138 is a summons to praise, and it takes prominence, the summons to praise here, takes prominence over the reasons for praise in this psalm. If you remember me saying in the the previous episode, in Psalm 147, The psalmist says, praise the Lord, for it is good. In other words, there are a gazillion reasons to praise the Lord. But foundationally, the biggest reason and the most uh, important reason is because he is worthy of it, and it is good to do so. So there are three exhortations here. And the, and the initial exhortation is towards heaven, that is in verses 1 through 6, and it sort of personifies the heavens. The second is to the earth in verses 7 through 12, and it personifies the earth. And then the last is towards the chosen people of God in verses 13 and 14. And so this is a psalm that calls everything to praise the Lord. Let me read for you Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His hosts. Praise Him sun and moon. Praise Him all you shining stars. Praise Him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for He commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. And as I mentioned, these uh, next psalms, uh, these last few psalms, begin and end with praise the Lord. It is framed by, and uh, everything from, the, every text in these psalms 
extends from a place of praise. So the first exhortation is to the heavens. In verse 1, praise the Lord from the heavens. The heavens are normally described as containing different levels. You see this in Scripture, including in the New Testament. You have sometimes even referring to the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. The first heaven would be uh, the birds and the sky that we see. The second heaven would be beyond that, the stars, the space. And then the third heaven would be the divine realm uh, where angels and God are. And the details of the first, second, and third heaven are never spelled out in the Bible. I'm reminded of when the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. What strikes me here is uh, Paul obviously had some sort of experience. I don't know what it was. He doesn't go into detail, and he almost minimizes the experience. What a lot of people might do, and now this happened 14 years before he was saying this, what a lot of people might do is extend their entire life and ministry from that one experience and uh, would overemphasize it. Paul does not do that. Uh, There are different interpretations to what happened to the Apostle Paul there. Uh, There are even those that might say he was, you might call it slain in the spirit if you want, whatever the case may be. I don't know, and I don't deny that that is possible. Um, Again, Paul does not go into detail, and so we can only assume that whatever the experience was, it was um, significant enough for him to remember and to discuss at that moment, but not base his entire ministry around. My point here is that he refers to the third heaven. And this is the one that is the most ambiguous, because this is the divine realm. And he doesn't go into detail. The highest heavens really cannot contain God. And 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 that includes the third heaven, uh, the what we might think of as heaven. What do I mean by it cannot contain God? God. God is too magnificent and powerful and radiant for even heaven. Um, that does not mean he doesn't dwell there. He dwells everywhere. And that is what I mean by it cannot contain him because he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is big enough to be everywhere and has to be everywhere. First um, Kings 8.27 But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built? God cannot be contained. And so often we try to put him in a box. We try to make God fit our conception of him when he is so much bigger than that. Verse 4. Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. This reminds me of the creation account in Genesis 1-7. God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And so it was so. 
verse 5. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. This is referring to the, the creation account in Genesis 1. Verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth. So we've just... Uh, seen the exhortation of, uh, toward the heaven, and now we are seeing the exhortation towards the earth. Praise the Lord from the earth. Uh, this idea is elaborated in the following verses, uh, after verse 7, and it reveals different parts of creation and calls them to praise God. For example, it says, you great sea creatures and all deeps. The sea really was a, sport, a, a source of special fascination and fear to the Israelites, and I think even to us. We just had a situation with the uh, uh, Titan submersible. Uh, the, the sea is a very, it's a vast and scary place. I would much rather have something go wrong in space than something go wrong when I'm under the water in the sea. And often the sea represents everything opposed to God and his created order in scripture. Um, and so this is calling on the sea creatures and those that humans might fear to praise him. Because as scary as they may be, God is greater than them. God's greatness is demonstrated as he requires their praise. And then in verse 11, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth. I'm reminded of uh, Psalm 138 verse 4, all kings, this is from David, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. So David knows that his individual praise in Psalm 138 is unworthy of the greatness of God, and he envisions all of the rulers of the, of the world calling upon the Lord. So that's the idea here in Psalm 148. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth in heaven. I'm reminded of, of Philippians 2, that it says, God has bestowed upon Christ the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, when I used to hear that growing up, I thought, well, the name they are referring to there is Jesus, but that's not the name. That's not the name everyone will confess. When you read that, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the name, Lord. The name of the Lord, praising the name of the Lord. Verse 14, he has raised up a horn for his people. Again, the horn symbolizes strength and vigor. It says, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Again, Israel, God's chosen people. And he's, this psalm exhorts and calls the heavens, the earth, and the people of God to praise him because he's worthy. 
And yes, it lists reasons to praise him, and there are so many, but the foundational reason is simply because he is worthy. If he had never done anything for us, if Jesus Christ had never died for us, if we were doomed to spend eternity in hell, God would still be worthy of our praise and could still rightfully demand our praise. And so the psalm here understands who God is. Not only who God is, but who we are and the obligation that we have to praise God. So here is Psalm 148 set to music. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Oh, Israel, 